you uh, may have heard, if you're part of our community, that some of the finances that are received from uh, those that give regularly to Anthem go right out of the door, and um, as well as the operational expenses of the church. We have some projects that we're involved in locally and around the world. And uh, we want to, over these next uh, three weeks, kind of highlight a little bit uh, in each of our services of some of the partners that we uh, uh, work with and that we support financially. And we encourage you uh, with your prayers and with your support in whatever way that can be to be involved as well. And this as we come towards the end of the year, we're, we're kind of uh, visiting this theme that we're calling future impact. I don't know if we have a slide for that at all, so you can uh, see what that is. Um, like me, you might have um, had one or two groups, organizations, charities uh, contact you towards the end of the year asking you to consider a year-end gift towards uh, their mission, whatever that might be. And so uh, we're, we're kind of no different to that in, in some way, um, except a specific kind of angle on that is that what we're asking for you to be involved in this year and for all of us to participate in in some way is to make a year-end gift to Anthem that will help us support the, the projects um, that we support outside of the church so that we can fuel that fund for the next year so that we can be able to support some of the, the missions that we're involved in. Um, and this week, I j just want to introduce you to um, a, a new partner that we've taken on um, that is some dear friends of ours. Their names are Gianni and Angela Gaeta, and they are missionaries to the country of Austria. Not Australia. That is our two different places, and I'll leave you to check that on your phones. But that's somewhere in Western Europe, okay? Beautiful place. Uh, one of the most beautiful. Uh, Vienna is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Um, and uh, about 35 years ago, Angela and Gianni uh, felt God calling them to, to Austria and um, have, during that time, done an incredible work, and yet they are forging ahead to, uh, to do even more work. And so it's, it's our privilege as a church to be involved in what they're doing and to support them financially, hopefully get to meet them at some point in the future. Um, but I wanted to introduce them by way of a video, and they're going to share a little bit of their, their story this morning. So, uh, so watch this. Hi, greetings from uh, Vienna, Austria to Anthem Church. We are Gianni and Angela Gaeta, and it is an honor for us to share with you for just two minutes this morning. We know Colin and Liz and have wonderful memories that go back a very long time, even of Colin as a teenager playing the horn at our wedding 36 years ago in England. And we've re reconnected this past year and uh, it's been a joy to talk together. And one thing that really unites us is our love of church planting. We are uh, modern day missionaries. We are Europeans. I come from Italy and my wife Angela comes from England. And we have lived here in Austria for 35 years and we speak German. <laughs> We live in a city that you would probably love to be visiting yeah. at this time. To visit the Christmas markets, mm. see all of our lights here in Vienna and, uh, and the snow, of course. We're blessed and feel privileged to live here, but we're on a mission to reach this very needy nation. Yes. Probably wondering how in the center of Europe, Austria can be so needy. But here in, in Austria, Humanism seems to be the new religion. Yeah. 
taking place of a religion that was so dead. God seems to be irrelevant, Christianity outdated, and Islamization is a real threat. So we feel and we know that this nation needs Jesus. Absolutely. So what have we seen during the last 35 years, Johnny? Well, starting from our own living room uh, in a town called Leoben in the center of Austria, uh, we have seen then in the course of time really hundreds of people come to Christ, people from many parts of Austria because we didn't just work in one place, we very soon started to work in more than one place. And uh, these people uh, we discipled and quite a few of them we trained to be leaders because obviously when we started to church plant we needed also the leaders to lead these, these new churches and so we discipled and trained leaders, men and women who are all Austrians to lead the churches that we have uh, planted and churches which not only are a home for people who are believers and uh, share fellowship but also become hubs or centers from where, where God as a relevant God is shown to the people in the community and so uh, we have planted 14 churches till now and it's quite amazing actually it's quite amazing what God has enabled us to do but actually there is much more to be done uh, we need to reach every town in Austria to really be able to have an impact in the nation and also have an impact in Europe and so there are 79 towns mm. in Austria many of them rural and we might be getting older, but we haven't lost our passion. <laughs> and we have an army around us yes. of all age people, but a lot of young people too, who are helping us to speed up the momentum, yes. to continue church planting, um, to reach out into this nation, but also other nations. Austria is surrounded mm. by many countries and we're already working into Europe. Yes. So. Today we want to say thank you to you, Anthem Church, for joining us on our journey to impact Europe. You in Bedford are influencing Austria yes. and you're making a difference yes. already. Mm. Thank you. We appreciate your love, your care, your prayer and every kind of support and involvement that is already coming through Colin and Liz and it's going to be coming in the future. We look forward to your company and involvement on our journey here in Central Europe. So we bless you this Christmas season with much joy, great fellowship, the presence of God, and we look forward to meeting in the future. Yeah. So we wish you a great Sunday morning meeting that it may be life-giving to you and from both of us a goodbye to you. Bye-bye. Yeah, how about that? So, uh, did you catch that? <laughs>
35 years in Austria, they started in their living room, and now there are 14 churches have been started across the country. And, and as, I, as I think about that, I think about the power of, uh, when people talk about the power of compound interest, you know, it seems like something that grows very small at the very beginning um, uh, has that ability to be exponentially growing later. And I've been personally kind of had a bit of a ringside seat to their, to their mission over the years. I'm starting to see the speed with which God is, is fulfilling that mission. So we were privileged to be involved uh, financially supporting them and, uh, and getting behind what they're doing. Um, if you don't know it, Austria, uh, is a, city of, a country of about 9 million people, is one of the most secular countries in Europe with only a minuscule percentage of the population calling themselves followers of Jesus. So there was a, an enormous need there. And even right now, I mean, they're, they're in the midst of a total lockdown right now and in the, the uh, I think, the first country in Europe to mandate vaccines. So there's just a, a, a lot of... Uh, turmoil taking place in the country, and whenever there's um, whenever there's uh, stress and turmoil, there's an opportunity for the gospel. So I'd encourage you to pray, and I'd encourage you: Would you consider a year-end gift uh, to Anthem this Christmas uh, in our Future Impact Fund, uh, sometime between now and the end of the year? And of course, it's, if it's before the end of the year, you get the tax credit for it in the normal way. Um, that will go to support those projects that we're involved in next year, and to, um, to to fuel that fund so we can we can keep the mission going and add other other projects to it as well. And you'll be hearing from two more that we're involved in in the next two weeks. Sound good? Fantastic. Um, this morning, we have a guest speaker today, and uh, I want to invite my friend Tanner up to the stage. Tanner Green uh, has been a friend of Liz and I. Yeah, welcome him this morning. And uh, Tanner used to be a pastor at a church called South Point in Rhode Island, and uh, I always mix it up because there's lots of like points in there, something, this point, that, yeah, so there's all these different ch- churches in Providence, in the Providence area uh, that Tanner was leading and uh, has since taken on a role with an organization called the Orchard Group, which helps to start churches across the country, and he has a particular focus for New England. So welcome him this morning. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate you, brother. I feel like a slacker because I only started one church, so Colin and Liz, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> We're all slacking. 14 churches, that's incredible. It's great to be here. I was actually here on your third birthday celebration. What a, what a wonderful celebration. It is great uh, to be in this place. Now, since I have stepped out of uh, being a pastor, which I did a few months ago to take this new role, I realized that when we come here on a Sunday morning, So many of us, we have so much in our lives going on right now. We have so much in our heads, um, in our our hearts, so many many worries and concerns, and and it could be family. So I, I find it helpful. Let's just take a minute here, just a few seconds, 15 seconds of silence. And if you just want to say a prayer, if you're someone who believes in Jesus, say a prayer and just say, God, whatever you have for me today, I want to say yes to. Because my hope and my prayer coming into today is that you would actually experience God here this morning. So let's just take a breath for the next 15 seconds. And God, we are grateful for your presence here. Thank you for this morning. Thank you that we got to, to worship you together. We thank you for the work in Austria. I pray for your blessing on it. God, I thank you for Anthem supporting. And uh, we thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.
So when Colin told me about your theme for the month and, and supporting different ministries, uh, he asked me what I wanted to talk about. To me, this is one of the, my favorite topics, so I said, I want to talk about generosity. Uh, I want to share with you my story uh, because it's something that I am actually passionate about and that uh, God has used in my life uh, greatly. My hope and prayer for you today is that you would actually walk out of here and experience joy and freedom and peace in a way that you probably didn't even think was possible. So that's my hope and prayer for, for you and also for, uh, for Anthem as well, that you continue to do great things. My encouragement is that you come back these next two weeks. I know the speakers who are speaking uh, next week, you don't want to miss it. Uh, so make sure you come back and listen to them and come back on the 19th. It is really, really great. It's really great for a church to be able to, to support uh, what God is doing outside of its own walls. Now, so for me, when I think about generosity, I want to read you one of the great uh, chapters in, in Scripture. I'm going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it there. Uh, and what is interesting to me, you have a church leader named Paul who's actually writing to a, a church in Corinth, and what he's doing in these first few verses, he's actually talking about another church, uh, a set of churches in Macedonia. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1, he says, and he's starting with an example. This is like an inspiring example. And again, my hope and prayer is that this can be true of, of you personally and true of Anthem. So he says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overwhelming joy, notice like their components of what they have going on, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. He says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their own ability, entirely on their own, they actually urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Now, what he is saying here is, he says, okay, Corinthian church, I'm writing to you about this inspiring example about someone who has given, these churches who have given, who've actually made the work of God possible outside of their own doors. Uh, when I think of this inspiring example, I think back to my own childhood. And this is why I wanted to share this story with you. Uh, so it's, it's really easy when you see someone up here who's a pastor, who in my case used to be a pastor, and think, oh, you were like always like that, right? Uh, like that is not the case, okay? So I was actually, I, I tell my kids this, I was actually a little kid once. Um, out of uh, you adults, like you were actually there. So I, I grew up, I was the son of two school teachers. Uh, both of my, I'm the oldest of three kids. And my parents... Uh, going at, uh, really up until about the time I was in fourth or fifth grade, spent more money than they made. This is a common story in, in our land. They spent more money than they made. They struggled with insurance. My dad's, my dad's school that he taught at did not provide insurance. And there was stress in their marriage. There was stress in a relationship. Uh, all these conversations, worry about how this is going to be paid for, that's going to be paid for. Uh, and then one day, my, my dad actually went to a conference. He heard someone speak and who actually challenged him to, to, to give. And my dad came home and said, I don't really know how we're going to do this, but I'm going to give the first 10% of money that, that, we that we earn and give it back to God. 
Now, what's amazing is that they started doing this, and then from that point, that my, my dad made that decision when I was probably in the sixth grade. Um, it, it was the next year that my mom actually was diagnosed with cancer, uh, and, and he still continued to do this, but it was through this time that uh, the church that we were a part of still continued to, to give, and they helped out. We, we had people who brought us meals like for five nights a week. We had, we had a, they were in a Sunday school class, back then Sunday school classes, and their Sunday school class would pay them for, for gas and meals. Uh, but my parents said, even through this, we want to try to be, we want to be as faithful as we can. And I look back and I look in the rearview mirror, and it's such a different story that my, but my parents' story is so different than when, when they started. So uh, since that point, uh, my parents have actually given away, I think, 12 different vehicles. Um, they have given away, I would say, literally into six figures into, into churches and to missions. Uh, they, to, they support to people. My mom was a, a lower-grade special ed teacher, and she, she taught almost, almost all of her kids uh, were below what the state considered the poverty line. And for many of them, they really never got to the opportunity to really go do much that was fun. And so even in a public school, my mother would invite kids to the movie theater uh, on a Saturday on her own time, would pay for them to be able to come in, and would, would pay for them to have a snack and to watch a movie. And it was just a bright point in those, those kids' lives. And when I thought about so when I, I have this example, and I think about my parents doing this, and, and for me, it's kind of like, okay, I've seen, I've seen both sides of this. I just simply don't want to, I don't want to ruin this. Uh, I want to keep this legacy going. And so when we uh, decided, my wife and I decided to, to start a church, uh, one of the things that I really thought about is, you know, the church, a church is typically known for taking money. Like, we're going to take money, take money, take money. I don't know if you've ever heard this reputation of people that, I don't want to go to church. Maybe you invite them to Christmas. No, I don't want to go to church because church is just about money. They just take money. Uh, and so for, for, for me, uh, I said, what if, we, what if we had a church, a community of people that we, that we flipped that script and we wanted to do the exact opposite of that? And we decided to bless people, bless people even financially. And so our church, what we would do is, uh, in the community that, that we were in, we would uh, oftentimes go to different organizations inside of our community, and we would simply say, how can we help you do what you already do? And we would see ourselves really as a volunteer bank, and we, and we had partnerships with uh, the parole and probation, with so many in the recovery community, uh, and we can go on and on, the different service organizations, the Adoption Rhode Island uh, uh, organization. There's There's probably a dozen different organizations that we would have a partnership with. And, and we decided when we, our church was 14 months old that we were going to do something. Um, and, and initially, I, here's my confession. Initially, I thought this was like, I thought I was like dreaming big with this, okay? So, um, but then I had like ye of little faith for me. So, so I had this idea when our church was 14 months old uh, that we were going to do something called the Big Give, where on one particular Sunday, what we were going to do is give away our entire offering uh, to both a work that we were supporting in Nairobi, Kenya, and then also a local work uh, that was at the time called the Rhode Island Family Shelter that, was, that helped house women and children inside of our own community. Uh, so at the time, our average weekly offering was like $2,500 a week. So for me, I thought I was dreaming big, and I thought, 
Let's aim at like $10,000 for one Sunday. How great would that be if we could give, we could split money and give like $5,000 to each group on one Sunday? Like that would be incredible. Uh, and if you're in fundraising at all, and, and maybe you're outside of the church and you, you're part of fundraising, you say, well, that's a pretty decent sized fundraiser if you could do that. Uh, but here's, here's the you of little faith because I, I had no idea how our church family would respond to this. Uh, so I actually brought my own checkbook that, that Sunday morning. This is before we really had like the online, this is like 10 years ago. So not the online giving as much or through the app or anything like that. So I, I literally brought my checkbook and I thought, you know, if we're just like $300 short, I'll write a check so that we can like hit the mark of $10,000. Uh, but on that Sunday, our 14-month-old church actually gave $27,000. Yeah, that's incredible. So there's, there's few things that I think share with the community about the love of God so much as being able to walk into the Rhode Island Family Shelter and to give them a check for $13,600 for absolutely nothing. And they were blown away by that. And word, when churches do things like that, I think the word spreads in the community. And the next year, I, the next year we thought to ourselves, like, what do we, do we aim for more than $27,000 on one Sunday? And so we said, let's aim for more. And the next, the next year, we did the big give again, and it was $32,000. And the next year, it was $42,000. It was $43,000. We saved for a building a few years in the midst of that. Uh, but then it was $45,000. And last year during COVID, it was actually $50,000 that we were able to give both abroad and locally, and we kept a fund to help single parents in our own community when they needed help. So I share all of that to say uh, that there are few things better or more inspiring to me than to watch people who are like my parents who say, you know what, uh, we, we know someone who needs a vehicle, we will just give you a vehicle. To, know so, to, to see people who are just absolutely ready to respond and to give, to see, really to see a church community that says, you know what, we want to bless those outside of our walls so much. And to be in a community of people, there are a few things that are more exciting and more uh, inspiring to me than that. And I, I would be hard-pressed, reflecting on my parents, to say, oh, my parents, uh, you know, they would have been better if they would have decided not to give. Like, if my parents were still spending more money than they made at this point in their life, still trying to hang on and still do this tightly, uh, I, I don't think I would be the same person. And so when the Apostle Paul, when he writes this, what he's doing is he's writing to a church and he says, here's this inspiring example. And what, I share this with you just to say, hey, look at what could be true in your own life. Look at what could be true when you have a church community that is like this. I, be, I believe that God wants to do great things through this, this community right here. But it doesn't really end right there. See, because you see the inspiring story is like above, it's like the iceberg above the water, right? There's actually a couple different things below the water that, that you don't see. And this is what he talks about next. What, you, what he talks about next is actually a decision, a key decision that they made in, in, in the passage of Scripture and that actually my dad made as well. But we see, we see this uh, in verse 5. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, he says, And they exceeded our expectations. 
And here's what they did. He says, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So here's the decision that they made. They made a decision that led to the inspiring example, their inspiring generosity. So their decision, we go, move on to the next slide. Their decision is this. They're going to give themselves first to the Lord. I'm going to give myself first to the Lord. That's what the verse 5 says. He said they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord. What that means is you give your whole entire life to Jesus. Now, when he talks about the word Lord there, he means the one who's master, the one who's in charge and in control of absolutely everything. And I think that that is uh, a key word that we can, we can focus in on. This means that, that he's the one in charge. And for us, it's so hard with the world that we live in that we, also, we, often, think, we often get this reversed. We think that, that he is just part of our story rather than seeing ourselves as part of his story. So my, my in-laws my in-laws are farmers uh, in Illinois, in the Midwest. And uh, they, actually had a, they actually had someone approach them uh, who was making a movie, uh, a Superman movie, uh, several years ago at this point, and they wanted to, to pay them to use some of their farm equipment in the movie which is great. You just have equipment here and, okay, we're just like renting this for a period of time and we'll give you money for that. So they said yes. But then they were also looking for extras, right? They were looking for extras in the movie for people to be in just one little scene. And uh, we had one family member, we had several family members who wanted to do this. One family member is a huge Superman fan. So he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. Yes, I'm going to be a part of that movie. I want to be, be in. I want to be in this movie. Uh, so they, they filmed them, and they were supposed to film all these people running. Now, he wanted to, like, be captured as, like, I'm the fastest person. So he actually ran ahead of the whole group, so much so that he actually ran out of the shot and wasn't in the scene at all. <laughs> so you can picture this happening. But um, now how crazy would it be, though, for them to, to be in this clip, family members to be in this clip, that they would be extras in a movie, and they would go to, they would tell their friends and all the people around them, hey, you need to come to this movie that's coming out in the theaters, um, and you need to see, because this movie is about me. That would be so crazy, right? And, and what I'm saying here is, is they were in this clip for like three seconds. The movie is clearly not about them. The movie is about Superman, and they were just a little extra in the movie. And so oftentimes in our life, we think that Jesus is just like a small part of our movie. Like, this is our story, our movie. But when we call him Lord, what we're saying is, hey, the movie is about you. The movie is about you, and I'm just a small part of it. And our decision here is to say, I'm going to give myself first of all to you. First of all, to you. Now, these next few verses, I think, are really key. Verses 6 through 8 in this passage. So, again, this church leader, Paul, is writing about Titus, um, another church leader who's, like, on the ground uh, with the Corinthian church. He said, so we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. He's talking about generosity. And he says, but since... You excel in everything, in faith, in speech, 
in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So he says a couple things here in this part that are really, really key. He says, first of all, the reason I'm talking to you about generosity, this is what he says, and about giving, is so that you may be complete. He says, you excel in so many of these areas, in speech and in faith, and he just names three or four or five of these. And so that can also be true of us. We can, you can be here, you can be volunteering, you can be singing or, or on stage or with the, with the kids, you can be greeting. We can excel in all these areas. Maybe we're someone who always shares our story and loves to tell people about Jesus in our own life. But there's this one area, this area of giving that we don't quite excel in. And what, what, he, is, what he says here is he's, he says, I just want you to excel in everything. I want you to be like Jesus in absolutely every single part of your life. He says, that's the reason that I'm writing to you. And then he, sa- and then he says at the end, I'm not, ro- I'm not commanding you to do this. He says, I'm not commanding you to give. And I think that's, that is a really, really key part of this because here's, here's the reality, and this is part of what I say when I come, come here and I'm sharing this with you. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not commanding anyone to give. I, the reality is, I don't, I don't know you, and you don't know me. You can hear my story. I don't know what it's like to walk a day in your shoes. And you may have, you may bring all, like when it comes to finances, you may bring all this stuff with you through the doors. Maybe you've had a church, you've been a part of a church, and it takes a, the church has taken advantage of you, or has has done something improper when it comes to finances, or maybe you say, you know what, I just, I'm like way, way deep into into debt uh, myself. Uh, Maybe you say, you know, I have all these things going on in my own family. I I have no idea what it's like to be you. But what he says in this passage, he says, I'm not commanding you, but I, I just, I want you to excel in everything. So I'm gonna talk about what this decision could possibly look like in your life. I think there are a few different, few different things. So, so if you've never, ever given before, so if you've never, ever given before, maybe you say, I'm going to give for the very, very first time. That is a huge step. That is a huge, that, that's, that's maybe what it looks like. Or maybe you've given, you've given inconsistently, and maybe you've said, you know what, I'm going to, I want, I want to give consistently. And you set up, I'm going to do this on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, whenever you get paid. Or maybe you say, I'm going to switch my priorities. Instead of giving what's left over, I'm going to actually give first. I don't know if you have, do you ever find this ironic that in our culture, we have Cyber Monday where we buy all of these different things, and then we, then we do Giving Tuesday? <laughs> like, maybe, maybe you're saying, like, I'm going like, to switch those in my own life, and I'm going to put the Giving Tuesday, I'm going to be like a Giving Tuesday person all year first, and then I'll do the Cyber Monday, and I'll buy what's left over with, after, after I give. Or maybe, you, like, maybe you've already made the decision that my dad has made, and you say, I give, I give, first of all, I give 10%. And maybe you already give, and you contribute highly. Um, one, one challenge that, that I heard once that I think is really helpful is someone said to me, uh, you should always be ready to give. Like, if you have a generous impulse, that's probably not from Satan. 
So maybe you go through life and you say, you know what, whenever I have a generous impulse, I'm going to trust that this is actually a word from God. And so there is not a command of giving, but here's what it comes down to. If we make the decision that these churches made, we made the decision that what my dad made, the decision is that we're going to make Jesus Lord of everything, that the movie is about him. And for us, it's very, when it comes to this area of giving, it's very, very simple. There's three things. If Jesus is Lord, my challenge to you is that you listen to his words. Again, what I'm hoping for, I'm hoping for you today, I say this, I'm hoping to you that, that you will experience the same freedom that my family experienced. What that means is if Jesus is Lord, that you say, I'm actually going to read his word, that these chapters, these two chapters are one of the great parts about giving uh, in scripture. And secondly, if Jesus is Lord, what you're going to do is you're going to pray this prayer. Now, this is a dangerous prayer, Okay. But if Jesus is Lord, again, this is the, the application is not really about money. The application is, will you make Jesus Lord? If he is Lord, will you say, Lord, it all belongs to you anyway. How much would you like me to give? How much would you like me to give? And then third of all, when you read his word and you pray that prayer, that you actually listen and obey. You see, when we, when we look at this, we look at this passage of Scripture, we have an inspiring story. We have this decision that is really like the basis for, for this. But then at the very end, what he does in verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 9, we see, really, here's the inspiration behind the inspiration. And that is that Jesus is not only Lord, but that Jesus is Savior. And this is one of the great verses it's people don't typically think about this at Christmas time. But look, look at this verse here. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. What it says is that Jesus was rich, then he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. That he was rich. You realize this, you realize this that, that what Scripture talks about Jesus, and this is why Christmas means so much. Scripture talks about Jesus as the one who held everything together, that in him everything was created. I don't know about you, but it, I find it amazing that I can hold up a dime, and if my human eye were powerful enough, I could see that this dime is actually blocking the view of 15 million stars. You realize that 50, like a group of stars, group of the, a group of stars into a thousand, and then, and then that group, that pile of a thousand stars, do that a thousand times, and then multiply that by 15. What scripture says is that Jesus holds all of that together, that he is that rich, and yet the one whose hands holds all of that became poor. He actually became poor, that his hands became little, that he actually was a baby. And that he, he gave up everything. And then when you read the story of Jesus, you realize that when Jesus, when he was born of a virgin, that, that he, was, he was probably whispered about the names that he probably received when he was a child, that his family actually became refugees to the nation of Egypt because he was trying, people were trying to kill him. That Jesus grew up in poverty. He actually lived a nomadic lifestyle. That Jesus actually himself 
was sentenced to the, a criminal sentence and hung on a cross absolutely alone, that his friends abandoned him, that the one who was rich, yet he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Do you realize the beauty of this? You see, I was, I was this week, uh, had some news that there was, a, there was a guy who was a friend of mine whom I was actually in a Celebrate Recovery group with, and he actually died unexpectedly this week. I had no idea that this was going to happen. Uh, and I, I called a friend of mine, this other friend of mine, he and I, his name is Ernie. Ernie and I read scripture together. Ernie was in the same uh, Celebrate Recovery group together. And we, we heard of, of our friend's death. And we said, let's just read some scripture together. So we read Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 tells you about the riches that, that are true for you and for me in scripture. And it says that, that guess what, that we are, we are children of God that we can call God Father and Abba, which is an intimate name for him. And that, that guess what? That you and I, we, we, are child of the, we are children of the king, and that we actually can go to the king, and we can say, Jesus, we, we are yours, that we are your children. And it, what this scripture says is that you are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ that you have the riches of all of this in you. Now, you may say, okay, yeah, that sounds good, but I am suffering right now. You know what? I'm a child of God, but yes, this world is a broken place. And in fact, you read on, and this is one of the reasons I love Scripture, because Scripture does not sugarcoat absolutely anything. He says, yes, it is true that you are a child of God. Yes, it is true that you are an heir of God. Yes, it is true that you are a co-heir of Christ. And he says, but we face sufferings. And he says, I consider that our sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. And what it says here is that everything in our world is in bondage to decay, even our own bodies that we are breaking down, and the world is hurting and broken. And it's just, there's sometimes there's this reality that you and I, that we don't even know what to pray, but what Scripture says is that the Holy Spirit, if you have Jesus in your life, you welcomed him in, the Holy Spirit will actually utter prayers on your behalf when you have no other words to say. That's the closeness of this relationship that you have. But then what he says, you live in a broken world, and that's the riches that you have. But guess what? Guess what is happening? There's going to be a day when absolutely everything is renewed, and everything is beautiful once again. And he goes on, and, and Ernie and I reading this after we heard of our friend, and he says, what shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Because Christ Jesus died. More than that, he was raised to life. And he's at the right hand of God, interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or a sword. No, as it is written, for your sake, long, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to the slaughter, to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, he says, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demon, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, 
neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the reason, the reason that we can trust him is not only that he is Lord, is that the one who holds the whole universe, stars and galaxies in his hands, whose hands became the hands of a baby, also were eventually nailed to the cross. And they hung there, and he hung there for you and for me, the one who gave up his riches, embraced poverty so that through his poverty, you and I might become rich. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And we, we acknowledge that you are a generous God, that you are in charge and you are in control. So oftentimes, we want to run our own lives. We want to put our lives in our own hands. But God, we acknowledge today that there are no better hands to put our lives in than yours. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray.